everyone. Welcome to episode 84 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Taylor Robinson. Claire. Kimberly Phipps. Laura Curtis. Brooks Wetzelberger. Emmy. Brian Hall. Simon Dunn. Chris. Henrietta H. Stephanie Schindler. Bridie. Liz Collentine Cole. Chrissy Ryan. Amber Dupree. Nicola Anderson. Angeline. Rachel DeCoste. Carol Adianto. Lucy Bennett. Ozzy Cat. And Erin O'Donnell. I cannot believe we just did that seamlessly. I think we may have nailed it. Thank you so much for your Patreon subscriptions. We appreciate it so much. Yes, we do. We really do. Thank you. We have another promo for you this week. We do indeed. I'm very excited about this one. And this week's promo is the Game Till 5 podcast. Dan, over to you. Game Till 5 is a podcast about games by Nikki and Steph. (laughs) And they talk about their top five games. And I have been a guest. So if you subscribe to this podcast and download the back catalogue, you can hear me talking about horror games. And we had a great time. So go and subscribe and give a listen to Game Till 5. We're going to play the promo now. Hi, this is Steph and Nikki from Game Till 5. We do top fives in video games. Each episode we cover a different topic in video games and both make our own top five lists of our favourites. We've done top fives on horror games, moving games, PC games from the 90s. We also do top fives requested by our listeners and loads more. Yeah, so if you like lists, video games, strange shopkeepers named Beedle. And not forgetting the occasional quiz battle. You can check us out where all good podcasts can be found. And that was the Game Till 5 podcast. So if you are a gaming nerd, this or, one or is... just someone that likes games. This one is definitely <laughs> for you. Our film review this week. Our film review is Girl on the Third Floor. Girl on the Third Floor came out in 2019. It has 4.6 out of 10 on IMDb and 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Let's go for it. A man tries to renovate a rundown mansion with a sordid history for his growing family, only to learn that the house has other plans. So what were your thoughts on this film? I don't know where to start, really. It's one of the worst films I've seen in a very long time. I mean, it was pushing Open House, to be honest. It, I Actually, I agree. At least Open House had... No, don't start defending no, that No, no, but at least Open House had some <laughs> sort of vague storyline that you could follow. This film... I was outraged. 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is this is solid concrete proof that Rotten Tomatoes is a sham. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is a sham. Did they pay people to write these reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? Like, uh, how did this happen? I don't know how it happened, to be honest. But then I'd imagine, I'd like to, I'd be interested to see what the Marine has got. I wonder if there's like a wrestling following that just vote, upvotes movies with wrestlers in. Potentially, that might be a thing. So who's the wrestler in this? CM Punk, otherwise known as Phil Brooks. I don't really... Don't really know anything about him, only that he is a terrible actor and should not have been in this film. See, I don't know. I feel you like you do know. You watched it. No, I feel like it was a bad script. I don't feel like the script. All right, no, no. Let's rephrase that. I, I don't feel like the script did him any favors. I think it was just a bad script. I think it was very badly written. If you're producing a movie with a wrestler in, the best thing to do is to give them a vague outline of what their character is supposed to be saying, and then just let them mad lib because that's what they're used to doing. I feel like giving them a strip to make some really plastic. Wooden. Yeah, really wooden. Really wooden, yeah. 
like really like it was embarrassingly wooden at times and, and but there, there was... were moments where where he was working alongside a better actress where he was okay i felt like the bits where he was talking to the pastor on the porch were actually okay because they felt a bit natural but he um is he doesn't have the skill or the talent to be able to carry a film and and the, his character carried the film yeah but to to be really honest like it's not just his acting that was bad i mean it was bad but that's not really his fault you know he was cast in that role yeah. at least work your script around your actor if your actor isn't going to be able to to deliver the storyline was chaotic at best and i couldn't get this film out of my head because i realized just how gross it is yeah a little bit later on into the that. into the night when i was lying <laughs> in bed i was like wait a second so when he's, you know, it's that classic story of he goes to renovate an old house, an old house, and the house starts fucking with him. Basically, yeah. there are going to be spoilers in this review, so please feel free to skip forward. But his character is a dick; like his character is an yeah. awful man. Yeah. You're not meant to like him, but I feel like in a horror film, you kind of need to have at least somebody to root for. Yes. You know what I mean? And he, you can't root for him because he's a horrible. He's a horrible character. I had no investment in him no. whatsoever. And as he is renovating, I can't even, I don't know if I can even say this out loud. As he's renovating the house, a mysterious white translucent liquid that's thick seeps from various parts of the house. And I was like, oh, that's gross. That's so weird. And then as the film progresses, you realise the house was a brothel that used to entertain scores of upper class men. Make of that what you will. I mean, it was going ham on the metaphor. There was no need. This film, but we have to face this, okay? This film would have never made it to Netflix if CM Punk was not in it. There's no way. There's no way this film would have got any publicity. It is just poor, poor script writing poor shooting of the film oh really badly shot the film is terrible the only thing that saves this is cm punk and that's his name on by name alone that's yeah. the only reason this is this is we're even talking about this we probably wouldn't have come across it i might have found it in the 50p movie club section <laughs> but we wouldn't have been talking about it otherwise so and if you found this in the 50p movie club section and you watched it as a 50p movie club movie you'd rip it to shreds you and dave Keane. like it, yeah. it wouldn't be a 50p movie where you'd go oh shit this this Seems like it's going to be a bad movie, but it's actually okay. At one point, there's like this woman who's horribly disfigured, but I don't really... They tried to make some sort of explanation for her, but there was no explanation really. I'm just going to tell you. Well, he doesn't die, but he gets injured by marbles going into his skin. But again, this woman has the power to control marbles. But it's not really explained. I Why? don't know. It's, it's just, just the whole, awful. The whole script is just appalling. The dialogue is terrible. There's loads of shots where the person that's talking is centre to the camera. And it's just like, I don't even think this guy went to film school. I think he's just like a, a dude. Like, I don't understand how this film got made. Or how they afforded to have CM Punk in it. Like, I know he's not a well-known actor. But the name, you pay for that name, don't you? Like, yeah. people get eyes on it. I just don't, I don't, I just don't understand how this exists. No, me neither. And it's just gross and it doesn't make any sense. Like, it really, really doesn't make any sense. In terms of a story, like, it had 
in somebody else's hands, it would have great potential to be like a classic horror moralistic tale or a kind of look at gender roles in society from a horror perspective. Could have been brilliant, but actually was awful. They just, they, they, yeah, they were, yeah, there was the potential to do all of those things because certain parts of the story would have, were interesting, but they just glossed over it and didn't give any context and just... No, it was just terrible. Oh, God, it was awful. I don't know whether I hated it more than Open House. I think I did. I I really... Th- I didn't hate Open House as much as you did, but I really hated this film. There's that really long, drawn-out battle scene at the end as well, inexplicably, yeah. with a character that we've not actually met the entire way yeah. through. Very, very strange. What are you going to give this out of five? Half. What's the half for? Because it made me laugh. I mean, it did make both of us laugh quite uproariously at various points. There was a lot... This is the type of film where there was a lot of us looking at each other going, did that character really just say that out loud in 2019 in a script? Okay, yes, somebody wrote that down and nobody removed it from the film. Do you know what my half is actually for? What? It's for his friend that comes to fix up the house. Good actor. And his voice. Gorgeous voice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, you he know needs what? to be cast again, and I'd like to direct CM Punk. I think I could get a better performance out of him. Well, Netflix, keep that in mind, please. <laughs> I'm going to give this a zero. The reason I'm giving it a zero is because I lay awake after watching it, feeling sick to my stomach with the realization of what was dripping from the walls. <laughs> that was a detail that from was from the ceiling, from the ceiling, and that was a detail that was wholly unnecessary. In every sense of the word. And I, I am horrified. This is one of those films where I want to write a letter. I want to write a letter to the director saying, actually, you've stolen almost two hours of my time. Give him back. Give him, I don't care how you do it. Give him back. <laughs> I was intrigued to see what CM Punk was going to do. So I don't feel like it's completely wasted time. I probably would watch him in like My Little Pony movie or something like that. Do you know, something that wouldn't interest me just to see. What He'd he probably did. be good in like, um, like a, a war film. Wrestlers, wrestlers, no, that's not what I meant at all. Wrestling fans have seen CM Punk do things well. He has it in him. I just think he was really limited by the script and really limited by the lack of direction or the over-direction potentially. Maybe. So we're going to move on to our story this week. Is it about a haunted brothel? It's not about a haunted brothel, Mm. but this is a story that has kind of been knocking around in my mind for a while. It is a story where there's lots of sexy sordidness, hence the link. Are you ready? No. For a story of demonic possession? No. Of sex and murder? Sex maybe. No. And country music? Yes. When we think of haunted buildings with a sordid past, we think of old asylums where patients were abandoned and abused and evil orderlies and medical staff remain to stab you with their needles. We think of prisons, buildings of squalor, torment and violence, where the rage can still be felt to this day. We think of old crumbling castles in the European wilderness with legends of vampires, sordid and dark. What we don't automatically think of is a honky-tonk bar. Nestled next to the Licking River in the state of Kentucky is what is rumoured to be the most haunted bar on earth. The infamous Bobby Mackey's no Music World. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Legend has it that Bobby Mackey's music world is built on a site that has been blemished by years of pain, sorrow and both human and animal suffering. Bobby Mackey's sits atop a land that was long fought over by warring First People tribes. The blood of multiple men, women and children was shed in the years of fighting and in the violence of colonisation that followed. In 1850, Winstell's slaughterhouse was built on the land and the jewel in the crown of this slaughterhouse? A well in the basement, where all of the guts, blood and entrails could be disposed of and flushed out into the Licking River. Rumour had it that the proprietor of this slaughterhouse would use the well to get rid of anything, if the price was right. There are those that argue that the slaughterhouse was located on a different part of the land and that the well in the basement was actually used to help with the distillation of liquor on the property. In 1890, the slaughterhouse suddenly and inexplicably closed down. The building lay vacant and rumours abound of a satanic cult that had taken up residence in the dilapidated building. There were whispers of animal or even human sacrifices being performed in the dank basement of the old slaughterhouse. Groups of hooded people were using the well as part of their rituals and a convenient means of disposal of the bloodied evidence of their sacrifices. One would think that with a history that is already so rich and brutal that Bobby Mackey's would be synonymous with satanic cults. But actually it isn't. Bobby Mackey's is in fact synonymous with the criminal underworld and more alarmingly a series of bizarre and brutal murders. In 1896 a shocking discovery was made on the land around Mackey's. 22-year-old Pearl Bryan was found brutally murdered and missing her head. Pearl was pregnant at the time of her murder and not married and this at the time was enough to ruin not only the reputation of the mother, but the reputation of the father and of their whole families. In the most common telling of this gruesome tale, Pearl's beau and father of her child, Scott Jackson, had enlisted the help of fellow dentistry student Alonzo Walling to perform an abortion on Pearl using their limited knowledge of anaesthetic and human anatomy. When the abortion went wrong, they beheaded Pearl and disposed of her body in the Kentucky wilderness. Jackson and Walling were quickly apprehended and executed with Walling proclaiming that he would haunt the land forever in revenge for his unjust death. Pearl's head was never found and there are many who believe that they disposed of her head in the well of the slaughterhouse and many more who believe that they did this as part of an occult ritual. In the 1920s, the slaughterhouse was finally torn down and in its place, Buck Brady built a roadhouse called the Latin Quarter. The Latin Quarter specialised in drinking, illicit gambling and turning a blind eye to the general activities of its patrons. It was incredibly successful and the owners sank huge amounts of money into ensuring that the bar put on quality shows for its patrons with Ella Fitzgerald and Nat King Cole known to have graced its stage. The owners also ensured that cheaters were routinely tortured in the basement. Knowing a good deal when they saw one, Cincinnati mobsters tried to muscle in on the property, but Buck Brady stood his ground, 
resulting in years of fighting, robberies and attempted murders. In the 1950s, Buck Brady moved to Florida and the Latin Quarter was taken over by the mob. And it was during this period that Mackie's most famous ghost was born. Joanna was a beautiful dancer who fell madly in love with a handsome singer named Robert Randall. It was a love story for the ages and the pair were truly besotted. Unfortunately, Joanna's father was less than besotted when he realised his unwed daughter was pregnant with a handsome playboy. He had Randall killed. Joanna was so blinded with grief and devastation that she made her way to the basement and poisoned herself. To this day, visitors to Bobby Mackey's still leave roses as an offering to the still grieving Joanna. With such a bloody and colourful history, it almost seems impossible for Bobby Mackey's not to be haunted. In fact, on October the 24th, 1993, the Beaver County Times ran a story with the headline, Ghost Punched Me, Man Says. <laughs> a mystery man named J.R. Costigan was suing Bobby Mackey's Music World for the sum of $1,000 after being viciously assaulted by a ghost in the toilets. Unsurprisingly, the case didn't go any further. The police cited a lack of concrete evidence as the reason. There are multiple accounts of ghostly activities in Bobby Mackey's. People being attacked, shoved, scratched, bangs, singing, apparitions of the headless pearl and the smell of the ghostly perfume of Joanna. But there is one ghostly encounter that is perhaps the most interesting. And it is one that played out on national television. On none other than the Jerry Springer show. Carol Lawson awoke with a start. The sound of music flooded his apartment from the nightclub below. He jumped out of bed and fumbled for his clothes, sure that some drunken idiot had broken into Bobby Mackey's in order to have a secret drink and a dance. He stumbled downstairs and was met with a bizarre sight. The bar was completely illuminated and the jukebox thundered out the tune of the anniversary waltz into the empty air. There was no one to be found and all of the doors and windows were secure. Eventually, after unplugging the jukebox and switching off all the lights, Carl went back to bed trying to rationalise what had just happened. You see, Carl was strangely used to these types of occurrences. Years ago, before Bobby Mackey took over the establishment, Carl had had a strange encounter with a giggling woman in the bar. The bar was empty, and he turned to be confronted with a beautiful girl. She giggled and asked, Where is Robert Randall? Carl explained that he didn't know anyone by that name. She responded, harsher this time and with no giggling. I'm not leaving until I see Robert Randall. Alarmed and also thinking about how to remove the woman from the bar, he turned to grab the phone to hand it to her. But she was gone. Vanished into thin air. Bobby Mackey always said he felt drawn to the building. Like he was destined to be there. Janet, his wife, was not so sure. 
She had an eerie feeling of foreboding and begged Bobby not to open the club. But he had invested every single penny he had into it. They employed Carl to help with the renovations. And the ghostly attacks on Carl and Janet began almost immediately. Whatever was in Bobby Mackey's seemed to have an intense dislike for those two in particular. Janet reported that a ladder began to shudder and vibrate in front of her and then seemingly walked across the floor and was thrown at her. She was pulled out of harm's way on this occasion by Carl, who happened upon the bizarre sight. She was then physically attacked in the kitchen, witnessed again by Carl when something grabbed her and squeezed her around the middle and evil laughter echoed around the kitchen as pots and pans flew at them like missiles. Carl was physically assaulted and knocked unconscious after being pummeled by the entity and phantom gunshots rang out around the property. But equally as disturbing were the strange noises that travelled through the vents from the basement. After Janet was forcibly grabbed and shoved up a stairs by unseen hands which resulted in her going into early labour, Carl went to a church. He filled a soda bottle with holy water and sprinkled it all over the basement in the hopes of calming whatever entity was wreaking havoc. It seemed to work and everything was quiet for a time. Until it wasn't. Carl walked into the bar one afternoon only to come face to face with what he described as a demon. He was entranced and stared deep into the entity's glowing red eyes. Carl felt feather light and realised that he was floating six feet in the air. But suddenly, Carl was firmly back on earth, feet planted on the ground and no demon in sight. But something felt off. Everyone around Carl noticed a change in him. He was now hot-tempered and nasty. A far cry from the jovial, mild-mannered man he usually was. He confided in his friends about what happened and complained of feeling something crawling beneath his skin. Bobby Mackey was alarmed. There was nothing like a good old-fashioned haunting to drive folk away. In order to appease Carl and his wife, he called a minister. And Reverend Glenn Cole, having met with Carl, fully believed that Carl was possessed by a demon. And an exorcism needed to be performed. On the afternoon of the exorcism, Carl was understandably nervous. As Reverend Cole got the ritual started... Carl was calm and polite. As the exorcism continued, however, Carl's demeanour changed. He began to hiss and growl at the priest and spoke of himself in the third person. Carl snarled at the priest to stick his Bible up his ass and fell from his chair writhing on the ground. From his throat erupted the sound of a thousand voices. Reverend Cole battled the demons inside Carl for six long and gruelling hours. And eventually, Carl's body relaxed 
He threw his arms around the reverend and declared that the evil from inside him was gone. In December 1991, around four months after the exorcism, Bobby, Janet and Carl appeared on the Jerry Springer show, armed with a videotape of the exorcism of Carl Lawson. This television appearance immortalised Bobby Mackey's music world as a paranormal hotspot and is frequently visited by ghost hunters and enthusiasts desperate to have a run-in with a spook. It is difficult to know whether Bobby Mackey's is really the most haunted bar in America or if ghosts are just a lucrative business. Either way, it is still a regular haunt of celebrity ghost hunters to this day. Maybe it's worth noting that Bobby Mackey isn't actually Bobby Mackey's full name. His full and legal name is Robert Randall Mackey. I know you love the story of Bobby Mackey's. I do. So what do you think? I don't even know where to start with it because there's so much, there's so many different stories attached to it, isn't there? Let's start with the first one about Pearl. I don't think that that was a satanic ritual. It was a real murder. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. just to clarify for people listening, the murder of Pearl Bryan really did happen. Yeah. You can look it up. It was horrendous. And there's kind of, I went with the most common story, but there's some people that believe that actually her boyfriend and his friend actually just took her off into the wilderness and straight up murdered her. Yeah. When they found out she was pregnant, they didn't even, there was no guise really of an abortion, but then she was drugged. So it, there's lots of different yeah. stories about it. The only problem is, is that it has nothing to do with Bobby Mackey's. Is it not on the land? No. Okay. It's in the area. Yeah. But it's got nothing to do with Bobby Mackey's. And at the time, apparently, the slaughterhouse was far away, not on the site of Bobby Mackey's. It was further away on the property. And on Bobby Mackey's site was a distillery. And the well was in use at the time because it was being used... For like bootlegging and yeah. distilling liquor. Okay. So Pearl Bryan is a big no from me. Because she has nothing to do with the property. Yeah, but it's still a story. Oh yeah, yeah. it's still a story. Yeah. It's a real story, but it, it's just been accredited to Bobby Mackey's. Yeah. But I don't think the murder was satanic anyway. I think they probably no. just chopped her head off to like slow down the identification. Absolutely. <laughs> but then randomly left her shoes on. And her shoes, they just tracked where the shoes were made. Oh. And that's how they found out who she was. Well, maybe they weren't as bright as they thought they were. I like, don't it does think happen. They were. It does happen, doesn't it? But the head, the head could still be down the well of the distillery, right? Couldn't someone have just thrown it? And nobody, nobody can see what I'm doing. Couldn't any someone have just thrown it down the well? Absolutely. Yeah. So it could still be on Bobby Mackey's site. Then. It could still be. Yeah. Potentially, but there's loads of people who don't think they ever threw it down the well at all. We must have gone somewhere. The head, right? Yeah, there was a head found. Okay. Um, years later but a skull and they didn't have the means yeah. to DNA test it. So there's no proof that it was Pearl Bryan's. So that kind of violent murder would probably leave a ghost. And then the two got executed, right? Yes, they got hanged. And then they, maybe they come back and they're, they're knocking around as well. Apparently they are, yeah. Yeah, so that's three ghosts. Not necessarily on Bobby Mackey's, but in the area. <laughs> Just all wandering around the general area. Now, I'm pretty sure that the Joanna story is based on truth but a little bit fabricated in the fact that there's she wasn't called Joanna or there wasn't there's no record of someone being called Joanna dying of poisoning something like that right do you want to continue or shall I tell you about Joanna tell me about Joanna first 
the legend of Joanna has been born of Carol Lawson. Allegedly, (laughs) allegedly Carol found a journal, but promptly destroyed it in a fire. And he rewrote the story of Joanna as he saw in the journal, but then destroyed the journal. So the only knowledge we have of Joanna comes from Carol Lawson. Yeah. Robert Randall was a real dude because I've seen pictures of him. The singer? Yeah. And I think he was offed as well. I think he was murdered, but I think it might have been to do with mob dealings rather than a jilted lover. Yeah, the 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 I've read a book called The Ghosts. I, I left the link in the description to the book. It was actually really good. Um, it was this guy who's a paranormal investigator wrote it, but he kind of debunks a lot of the stories yeah. in, in terms of historically. But what he does do is explore the mob links of Bobby Mackey's really well. And he interviewed loads of people who like were completely refused to to be named who said, yeah, they, they definitely dragged bodies in and out of that well to they did awful things in that club. But that's why it was so successful. That's why the, not Bobby Mackey's, but the one before it, I can't remember what it was called. The Latin Quarter. The Latin Quarter was so successful, wasn't it? Because the owner was just like, as long as you buy my drinks, I'm not going to pay any attention to what's going on in here, which yeah. probably worked really well. And if that's in the 30s as well, was it a was it a, like a, a bootleg place yes. during Prohibition? So it was illegal anyway to be yeah. open. It was raided all the time, apparently. Yeah. Like it was just a real cesspit of the underbelly. And then they, they set it up. So the Latin Quarter was also a cabaret. Like just it just sounds amazing in all the stuff that went on there. So they had like gambling. They had... Um, cabaret dancers they had really amazing singers like Ella Fitzgerald and stuff that played and then kind of in the basement they were torturing people at the same time (laughs) and all like so a lot of dark stuff definitely happened there during the mob years yeah so I don't think there's a lot of value in the Joanna story Um, but there definitely could be a female ghost haunting that place because you don't know what went on there do you no, you don't. And often girls who were dancers or girls who were sex workers or whatever were seen as disposable, yeah. which is really sad, but it is a, a sad reality. I don't think if you had a journal that was that interesting that validated something that you were claiming was happening on your site, you'd get rid of it. I agree. <laughs> I agree. So he, he's the one that perpetuated, created... It's a good little story. And it's, perpetuated I mean, the Joanna story. Essentially Romeo and Juliet, isn't it? Yeah, it's, good. it's very star-crossed <laughs> yeah. lovers. Zach Bagan steins out on that story every time he's there, so... I know, I, I refrain from mentioning him on purpose because I just couldn't be arsed with it. But I've, yeah, so I don't think that particular story is correct. The ghost of Robert Randall might be knocking around there because I do think he was... I do think, if I remember correctly, I do think he was killed. And he definitely performed there because I've seen evidence of that. They've shown on various different shows that have visited there, they've shown evidence of him, but nobody's yeah. been able to produce anything of her. So he he might be knocking around. I think it probably is haunted. I just don't think they've got a lot of evidence of, of who died there because it was all under in a shroud of secrecy, wasn't it? You don't mob bosses don't tend to let you know who they've killed. No, it's kind of the point really, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> so there's probably hundreds of bodies down that well. So it probably is a really dark place. There was a guy who who said who was interviewed who said he used to bootleg up and down the river. Yeah. And he would deliver spirits to Bobby Mackey's. And one day he was delivering whiskey or whatever and the mob gave him three barrels full of cement and they just said, don't ask what's in them. You need to take them as far away as your route goes and dump the barrels into the river. And the guy Amazing. was like, okay. Yep. <laughs> he just went for it. He just didn't yep. didn't ask any questions, but he firmly believed 
that there were at least three bodies in those barrels. So you've got a lot of shady stuff going on. So the dark forces are probably around there. I don't know how far to believe Carl's possession. I've seen bits of the video and it is horrifying, but I, I feel like if you were going out of your way to stage something so that you got visitors and interest, I feel like you could pull that kind of stuff off. I've linked the videos of Carl's exorcism in the description of this episode, so feel free to go and watch them if you want to. I've also linked the in the Jerry Springer episode in the description. That I'd like to see. It's interesting because we always think of Jerry Springer and indeed like later Jeremy Kyle of those kinds of things as being bear baiting bloody looks at people who are cheating on each other and, and lie detector tests and all that. Taking but actually, advantage of vulnerable people basically. <laughs> Jerry Springer was hugely popular in the 90s. Well I, I think I, I never paid a lot of attention to him because they weren't particularly interesting as a younger person because it wasn't the fighting and stuff but I seem to remember he had almost a a legitimate chat show episode once a week as well where they yeah. just, where he used to speak to people like properly. So this this episode of the Jerry Springer show was so 90s the introduction is incredible stunning and then he does a genuine chat show episode with Carol Janet and Bobby Mackey. I just wonder if Bobby Mackey is an incredibly shrewd businessman. That's that, and I don't. I think maybe stuff potentially did happen. I don't think Carol Lawson was a very well man. He passed away actually in two thousand and twelve. I think at that period of time there was the potential that he was actually quite unwell. Yeah. Rather than it being any anything really demonic, and I think rightly or wrongly, Bobby Mackey capitalized on that. I don't think he was you know, saw a man unwell and went ching, ching, ching. No. But I think potentially, yeah, he, he capitalised on it a little bit. Was it sitting empty for a period of time as well? Yes, it was. So you don't actually know what goes on in those kind of places because you find a lot of, like, weird stuff goes on in abandoned buildings anyway. So you don't know what was going on in that in that basement when it was sitting empty. No, you don't know. And people seek out, if somewhere like that has a reputation, if, like... The rumour is is that it was used by satanic cults. Yeah. If you've got anybody who's that way inclined, they're going to seek out yeah. places like that. So you don't know what's knocking around, but I do feel like this is a case of a businessman exploiting something that potentially is not as bad as it is made out to be and making it seem worse. I think there must be activity in that place because too many people go there and get a vibe, which I know sounds really lame, but I, I feel like the ones that are real shams, like really, really big, big shams, get shown up pretty quickly but do you not think that people when they go there they go there expecting to see all these awful things so you've got you know tv shows like ghost adventures and ghost hunters and whoever else has been to bobby mackey's who have made you know multiple episodes on bobby mackey's and all these horrific things that have happened so do you not think that people who go there are suffering from an element of confirmation bias anyway in that they go and they think oh, i'm definitely going to see something or going to feel something or to a point particularly with ghost adventures because i feel like they make Bobby Mackey's is like their return to episode, isn't it? Wherever it's like gets them a bit of instant hype. So if they go, oh, we're going to go to 256 Sycamore Drive and look at this haunted property, people are like, oh, I'll watch that another time. But if they're like, we're going back to Bobby Mackey's, everybody's like, okay, we've got to see that. Yeah, maybe they're getting to the point now where it's just they're having to do stuff. I've seen early ghost adventures where they've gone to places and they've just gone, nope. And actually, they've spent a load of debunking and not much has happened. Yeah, Bobby Mackey's was series one. Yeah, and that's quite early on. And I do think, I, f- I feel like 
you've got two options. Either there's something happening there that keeps them coming back or they're in some kind of mutual beneficial relationship with Bobby Mackey in that Bobby Mackey gets Ghost Adventures views, but Ghost Adventures brings people to Bobby Mackey's. Potentially. It depends how cynical you are. I, I'm a, I think I think any any place that's had that much shady shady business going on is liable to have some kind of spiritual activity. Would you like some new reviews? Please. So review number one comes from Obi's Mama, which is entitled Brilliant, Brilliant, Brilliant. I heard about this podcast from the guys of Brohio and I can't thank them enough. I love everything about the show. I've binged almost every episode and I can't get enough. Keep it up. Thanks. Thanks very much. The second one comes from Ahoy Alex. Brilliant banter about blood curdling beings. I love a bit of alliteration. That's a good, good title. I'm glad I stumbled upon this podcast. The hosts are so likeable. I feel like we've been mates for years. The spooky content and movie reviews are a hoot. Hello from Australia. Hello, Alex. Hello. In Australia. And finally, mom, fam, mam. Great storytelling, banter and easy to follow. I love both of your dynamic together and your cute, cheeky banter. Your accents are charming as well. I love the format you have through your editing where you play a creepy tune during the storyline and stop the tune during the commentary. It really helps to follow the story and distinguish the side comments. It gives that movie-style suspense. Then you quickly bring us back to reality with your nervous giggle and thoughts on the story. Keep up the great work. I binged all your episodes about a month ago and have now just been listening weekly. And since I'm still listening, that must mean I'm hooked. Thank you Thank so you. much, you Love gorgeous that binge life. people. I've just realised, which I realised yesterday, uh, this is a very personal thing to say, so I apologise, but Queer Eye is back. So I'm very excited about Queer Eye being back. I'm missing the link. There was no link, it just oh, popped okay. into my head. <laughs> and literally, as I was scrolling down, I was like... <gasps> I've got episodes of Queer Eye to watch and I'm very excited. So if there's any other Queer Eye fans on the supergroup or on Instagram, let me know so we can talk about it together. I mean, that was some next level segue though. I love it. Yeah, sorry. I didn't even, there wasn't even a link there. I just segued straight into it. So if you enjoyed this week's episode or if you have something that you would like to add about Bobby Mackey's music world, then please find us on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. Dan is on Instagram. At 50p Movie Club. We are on Twitter. At Real Ghost Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give the page a like. Leave a review if you feel so inclined. And join the supergroup, R-L-G-S Supergroup. And the password is... Emma and Dan. You can send in your spooky story to... Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon is a website where you can get extra content. It is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month, you get access to over 50, I don't know how many episodes of Tiny Tales there are, which is other spooky stories, etc. Etc. <laughs> that was that was really bad, wasn't it? I'm not really selling this very well. And if you sign up for $2 a month, you get what? Uh, uh, you took me by surprise there Um, episodes plural of 50p movie club which is my little sister podcast which I used to do with Will and I now do with Dave Keane where we watch a movie from the 50p section of CEX and we talk about it and it's normally quite a bad movie but it's fun and if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel buy our merch all that stuff the links are all in the description of this episode and on that note 
we shall see you next week bye